Written and read by Oliver Gray. Chapter 14. Ben Walker and Robert Layton had watched the verdict and sentence from the public gallery, ignoring the glares of the Mort gang. Now, even though no one showed any sign of chasing them this time, they quickened their step as they headed for the St. James's Tavern for a celebratory drink. Ben called Rosie on her mobile. She'd just finished work and joined them. Well, they agreed, maybe there wasn't much to celebrate. The episode had been a dark one for all of them, putting them and their relationships under massive stress. Ben's career had been hampered and Robert's position compromised. But worst of all, someone had died needlessly and someone else would now spend years in prison and be unable to watch his child grow up. Tomorrow, they all agreed, would mark what was often called the first day of the rest of their lives, when they could at last move on and start to make plans. Derek White, meanwhile, filled his report in the nick of time. Guilty! Fifteen years for the brick murderer. Today, a brutal thug was put behind bars, found guilty of the cold-blooded murder of an innocent musician. A jury took just over an hour to deliver a unanimous guilty verdict on Barry Mort, 31, of Stanmore, Winchester. In the most sensational murder case to hit Winchester for decades, Mort first abused and then attacked Corey Zander in the car park of the station venue in St Paul's Hill, staving in his head with a brick. He found the weapon lying on the floor and used it to kill the well-known American musician, 54, who had just performed a concert. Earlier, the two of them had clashed inside the venue, angering Mort. Xander's body was discovered the next day, clumsily hidden behind a rubbish container in the car park. After the verdict was pronounced, it was revealed that Mort had a string of previous convictions for violence. Teacher Ben Walker, who had invited Xander to perform in Winchester, and who at one point himself was under suspicion of the murder, was unavailable for comment last night. Find out more on our website, www.hansweeklynews.co.uk. On Saturday, Ben went round to Chilbolton Avenue. This was truly the calm after the storm, and he felt safe enough now to emerge from his hotel exile. He was thinking now of maybe returning to the flat in week and starting again with Rosie. All through the trial, and indeed in the period leading up to it, he'd stayed in close touch with Lucy by email. He had suggested that she should think about coming over for the trial, but on balance, they agreed there was little to be gained. Ben was relieved because he was in enough emotional turmoil as it was, without having to struggle with a bad conscience. But now he was able to deliver the good news. At least he got what he deserved, she emailed back. Now we can both get on with our lives. It's been a difficult time, but justice has been done. XOXO. Over lunch, as wedding details were discussed, things seemed to have returned to something resembling normality. There were now only four weeks to go and masses of things needed to be arranged. In the afternoon, Ben and Rosie kept a long-planned appointment with the vicar of Littleton, as he talked them through how the ceremony would work. Ben had severe doubts about the church wedding, considering that neither of them were remotely religious, but Rosie had set her heart on it, and it seemed churlish to deny her this pleasure. On Sunday, Ben took the train back to Bradford-on-Avon, feeling much more comfortable about life. He did still think about Lucy a lot, and occasionally felt slightly conscience-stricken about having been unfaithful to Rosie. The evening before, he'd had a bit too much to drink and found himself on the point of confessing all, but luckily managed to restrain himself. Some things in life are better left unsaid. 
Life at the narrowboat picked up where it had left off, with a few music nights already booked in. The alternative lifestyle was comfortable, but Ben knew it was unrealistic to expect it to continue. His parents were, of course, delighted at the verdict, and said he could stay as long as he wanted, but Ben and Rosie had other plans. One thing was clear to him. It would be impossible for them to stay in Winchester. I can't bear the thought of walking along Jury Street one day and bumping into Shelley pushing her pram with Mort's baby in it, said Rosie. Maybe she wouldn't recognise you. No, but she'd certainly know you. We wouldn't be able to go out together. Yeah, agreed Ben. And having been chased once by Mort's mates, it's only a matter of time before they come after me again, and this time I might not be able to hide. We need to get away. Well, professionally, there's nothing left for me in Winchester. I'll never forget the eggs and the graffiti. That no-smoke-without-fire brigade will always be there. So after a lot of discussion, the couple concluded that the time had come for them to strike out on their own. They both loved the Bridport area of West Dorset, with its beautiful coastline and laid-back atmosphere, so the plan was to relocate there. It would be an ideal area to bring up children. It was a property hotspot, so Rosie was confident of getting work there. Ben, armed with the confidence that his record was now cleared and that Robert would be providing a positive reference, had looked at the Times Educational Supplement website and applied for several primary teaching jobs in West Dorset. One, a village school in Simmonsbury, just outside Bridport, had called him for interview and he was planning to drive down the week before the wedding. On the day of the interview, he was just putting on his best suit in the morning when his iPhone bleeped. Oh, nice, a text message from Lucy maybe to wish him good luck. Had he told her about the interview? He couldn't remember. Can I call you? said the text. That will be expensive, are you sure? replied Ben. Sure, I'm sure. Okay, but make it quick, I'll be driving soon. Ben was eating a boiled egg prepared by his mother when the phone rang. Hi, Lucy, how are you? I'm good. Are you sitting down? Why, have you got some sensational news? Uh, you could say that. I'm eight weeks pregnant. Goodness! That's fantastic. Congratulations. Is that all you have to say? No, no, really, it's great. I'm really happy for you. Ben, I don't think you heard what I said. I said I'm eight weeks pregnant. Suddenly the penny dropped. You mean... You mean... Yes, you're going to be a daddy. But how can you be sure? I don't know what you think of me, but I'm not the type to sleep around, Ben. You're definitely the father. Christ! The mixture of emotions was lethal. Joy, terror, fear, anticipation, confusion, guilt, exultation. Ben could hardly speak. That's, that's amazing, was the best he could come up with. Are you happy? Sure I'm happy. Are you? Yeah, of course I am. But what the hell am I going to do? I'm getting married next week. That's okay. You must do whatever you want, but promise to visit us sometimes. Ben was picturing the beautiful Lucy blossoming with child. At the same time, all his worries about the impending wedding and relocation, suppressed for months, came bubbling to the surface. Listen, he said, I'm just off for a job interview. I have to go, but I'll ring you later and we'll talk. Then he said it. I love you. Ben could hardly steer the car, far less understand the GPS lady. He negotiated the Dorchester Bypass and the switchback coastal hills between there and Bridport. 
As he passed the road to the village of Ypres, he realised that he couldn't go through with it. He pulled into a lay-by and took out his mobile. Hello, is that Simmonsbury Primary School? Yes. My name is Mr Walker. I think I'm expected for interview this morning. That's right. I'm afraid something's cropped up and I'm not going to be able to make it. Well, that's most inconvenient. Shall we reschedule the interview for later? No, I'd like to withdraw my application. Ben drove down the tiny lane to Eep's mouth and drew into the car park overlooking the pebble beach and the massive grey waves crashing onto it. He took the little path to the right and struggled up the steep hill to the top of Thorncombe Beacon, a place he had often visited before when he needed to unclutter his head and think deeply. From here he could see most of the Jurassic coast and the infinite sea. Ben knew this was the end of his adult life as he had known it. He'd reached a crossroads, and suddenly it was clear which way to go. Everything was going to change. He took his phone from his pocket, took a deep breath and dialed Lucy's number. Bugger! No signal. He had to drive halfway to Abbotsbury before he got one bar on his phone. Lucy, I want to come and be with you. What do you say? It's your decision, Ben, but if you want to come, I'm here. Oh, I mean me and uh, a little someone else. Suddenly Ben felt calm. I'll be with you soon. Whenever you're ready, I'll be waiting for you, replied Lucy. Xander and Oliver's other books are also available in print and Kindle editions. For more information, head to olivergray.com. This audiobook was a DC 10 tonight production.